check out my new book, Reach All Readers at reachallreaders.com. When you pre-order, you'll get special access to my Science of Reading mini course. Learn more at reachallreaders.com. Welcome to Triple R Teaching. Anna Geiger here from The Measured Mom. And as we count down to the opening again of my course, Teaching Every Reader in May, we are welcoming a series of experts when it comes to the science of reading. So last week, we got to hear from Dr. Shane Piasta about learning the alphabet. Today, we're going to hear from Dr. Susan Brady, Professor Emeritus of Psychology at the University of Rhode Island. She has been a researcher for decades, particularly in the areas of phonemic awareness and phonological awareness. And now she is working on translating that for teachers. So not only will we get to hear the research today, but we'll also learn how to apply it to our teaching. So we'll get right into the interview. Welcome, Dr. Brady. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. So you have quite a career in research. Could you talk to us about how you got into education research and what's brought you where you are today? I can. I... As, as an undergrad, I was intrigued with human language abilities and the brain. Uh, I was accepted at the University of Connecticut Cognitive Psychology Program for grad work and totally lucked out because there were excellent faculty asking the kinds of things I was interested in and beyond, uh, and they were connected with a place called Haskins Laboratories that has done just wonderful research. Donald Shankweiler and Isabel Liberman were the two researchers who started pointing out the importance of um, phonological awareness, and in particular, phoneme awareness. And so what they appreciated was that learning to speak is an innate ability, but learning to read is not something we've evolved to do. And so in order to understand a writing system, we have to know what the symbols stand for. And in an alphabet, we have to know that they stand for those little phonemes that make up words. That turns out to be a little bit challenging to accomplish. And uh, so with that introduction from them, and with my interest in language and the brain, I started out studying phonological processes in the brain, speech perception, um, verbal memory in, in short-term memory. So that, that then dovetailed with me asking about underlying phonological skills to see how they're related to individual differences in learning to read. Are they do they differentiate good readers from poor readers? Do they predict how easy it will be for you to learn how to read? And pretty soon I was looking at phoneme awareness in that set of variables that I was exploring. So um, as time progressed, I also became involved in applied research. So I was seeing the strong implications of what was being learned about reading development for reading instruction and for reading intervention. I, I did some school-based research, but also had a number of professional development projects trying to transmit and succeeding uh, this information to educators. And that, that was very uh, rewarding. So I, I can um, connect a little bit later to how over that time, my view of what was important in phonological awareness evolved. 
Well, we can get right into that. Um, I watched a workshop that you gave some time ago, um, in the last year or so, and you talked about the difference between phonological sensitivity skills and then phonemic awareness, which we all know are under that same umbrella. Could you explain the difference and maybe how your understanding of their role has changed? Certainly. So if phonological awareness is the broad category of being aware of the sound structures in spoken language, at, at the word level, that's the word, the syllable, onsets, rhymes, phonemes, uh, which of those are important for learning to read? Initially, when Shankweiler and Liberman were doing research on this, they observed that four-year-olds were, didn't do well on a phoneme awareness task. Uh, a few of them could, well, maybe almost half, could do a syllable awareness task. They looked at another cohort of children who were five and then six. They didn't see phoneme awareness emerging until sometime in first grade. At that time, there was no instruction in phonological awareness, and, and kindergarten was viewed as um, a socialization process, not targeting literacy skills. So that progression has come to be viewed as the sequence of, of, of phonological awareness development. So phonological sensitivity refers to all of those larger chunks above the phoneme, and phoneme awareness specifically to the individual phonemes. As I said, when I began, I, I subscribed to this view that, it, that there's a continuum and it goes from larger to smaller, and I taught a lot of grad students that. Um, I now would not do that. Mm -hmm. um, the research started piling up fairly early on that went against that argument and also um, went against the argument that you, you need to teach uh, syllable awareness in order to achieve phoneme awareness and, and the other components as well. I'm very concerned, partly because of things I said in the past and what the community has been saying, that, that the applied world is really stuck in this earlier perspective. And the good thing is they're appreciating the importance of phoneme awareness. But we can really improve what's happening by zeroing in on phoneme awareness right at the beginning of kindergarten and, importantly, connecting it with letter knowledge right away. So I think, I know I heard you talk about in your presentation about how we used to teach that there was this ladder of skills that went from um, easy to hard, and that was therefore the order we were to teach the skills. So it would, like you said, large to small, so it might be like words, rhyming, syllables, mm -hmm. onset rhyme, and then phonemic awareness, which I taught the same thing, which is why your presentation kind of rocked my world a little bit in a negative way at first. Because, um, oh, goodness, I have to take that graphic down. But um, so, so you would agree that the skills get um, simple to complex, but that does not mean we have to teach them that way and also does not mean that we need mastery at an earlier level to teach a later skill, correct? We definitely don't need mastery at the earlier level particularly in these times when, when you know things have been set back by COVID in, in schools, it seems to me it's, it's a bonus to be able to say, okay, you can take rhyme off the table, syllables off the table, onset rhyme, you know, just get right down to the phoneme. Now, at the phoneme level, 
we also need to know, well, how does phoneme awareness develop? It's not just this eureka where one day you, you understand words are made up of phonemes and you're aware of all of them. And so that, that is tied strongly to the position of the phoneme in the words. Certain positions are easier for um, beginners or older struggling readers to be aware of. That, that sequence of phoneme awareness development goes from the first phoneme in a word for the initial phoneme, let's stay away from words that have blends or consonant clusters. And then the final phoneme in a word, and, and now for that, I would say CVCs would be handy. But for initial phonemes, it doesn't matter if you pick a word like dinosaur. The D is still very salient to kids. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but initial to final, again, with no consonant uh, clusters, that's my old term from linguistics. I know we use the term blends more. And then, and this is the last of beginning phoneme awareness, the medial vowel in a CVC. So it's not just the medial phoneme. You could have a word like ask that has a consonant in the middle. Um, I'm talking consonant, vowel, consonant constructions. And uh, there's now lots of evidence, a lot of it from spelling, study of spelling errors, that shows that children might first spell the word butterfly just with a B. They then might spell the word bat, B-T. And eventually they get a vowel in there as well. And, and their knowledge of word structures and um, awareness of those phonemes is growing. Now that's what I would call beginning phoneme awareness. The later stage, the more sophisticated stage, what I like to call advanced phoneme awareness, is awareness of the internal consonants in those blends. Okay. And so I am confident that, that every third, fourth, fifth grade teacher out there has seen their struggling readers, at least on occasion, spell words without the internal consonant. Mm -hmm. And so they might spell plan, P-A-N. And they're... they're not able to uh, take apart the p and o in the onset and haven't appreciated that separate phoneme there. So backing up, um, yep. you know, the talking about syllables and rhyming, do you see a place for teaching those before kids get to kindergarten when we're not focused on learning to read so much? Uh, no. So, uh, mind you, I think it's terrific to read lots of nursery rhymes to children and just enjoy them um, and the repeated elements in them can can foster memory for little kids learning you know a particular rhyme, but it it's not related to developing phoneme awareness. It doesn't foster it. So if that's your purpose, you don't need to do it. And in terms of syllables, syllables are a very important uh, linguistic unit after you have some beginning phoneme awareness and phonics. So when you get to, um, even, even at the beginning, I would say, to say every syllable has to have a vowel and it can have some consonants. But then the more advanced part I was thinking of was syllable types, so to help children uh, think about and understand what's happening 
in a silent E syllable or um, in an R control syllable, etc. Then, then we need to have more focus on what syllables are. And later on, if kids want to write rhymes uh, or, or poetry, then thinking about rhyme is, is helpful. So could you respond to this quote from the Teaching Phoneme Awareness in 2022, A Guide for Educators? It's written by quite a few people that we're both familiar with, including David Kilpatrick. And there's a quote from that guide, which says, in preschool and early kindergarten, syllable counting, wordplay, and rhyming activities have a role in preparing young students to attend to and speak about spoken language. What would, how would you respond to that? It's outdated. Okay. It's, it's incorrect. Um, there was a big review of rhyme written in 2002 by someone named Macmillan, and uh, she reviewed tons of studies that had targeted rhyme and concluded that there was not evidence that it helped, that sometimes people weren't controlling for other variables, like did the children already know their letters? Did they have any reading skills, which obviously would up their performance on tasks like that? So now you have a, a study. Uh, this particular one was done by Carrie Inverhaig. If we take a group of kids and we, we uh, randomly assign them to group A or group B, and the two groups are matched now in the end, and then we teach group A syllable awareness first, and then move into phoneme awareness, do they do better at getting phoneme awareness because they've had the syllable awareness? Or the other group, which jumped right into the phoneme awareness level, same amount of time spent on phoneme awareness in the two groups, do they do fine or are they lagging? Mm -hmm. Well, the answer is they did fine. And in fact, the kids who get phoneme awareness, for, excuse me, syllable awareness first, get a little confused when you switch to phoneme. It's, it's uh, what are we doing now? But it doesn't facilitate. If we go back to how does phoneme awareness develop, um, there are early activities that one could do, such as alliteration is great for pointing out the first phoneme in the word. So if I, if I go, t -t 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 Tommy, uh, what's that first sound? T and, and now, what letter stands for that? The T. Uh, it seems to be beneficial to start with discovering a phoneme and then linking it to the letter. And then after that, you're going back and forth. So what's the letter? What's the sound? And that's, that's very beneficial. There are other kinds of, of studies we could point to. Early on, Pat Lindemood had the LIPS program where she was taking more of an articulatory approach. Let's think about what your mouth is doing when you make the t. All right. Um, kids, kids did well just starting at that level. They weren't getting the larger units first. Years back, she came to my university, University of Rhode Island, where I worked for 35 years. We were walking across campus, and, and she talked about reading, of course, and, and she said, I hate rhyme activities. And I said, well, do tell, why? And, and, and she said, because once kids learn how to rhyme, they just, if, if they're at all challenged by the phoneme level, they just default to rhyming. And it just gets in the way. So 
there's a contrary argument that it's, you know, actually counterproductive rather than just neutral. There also was a study, um, Nankalis, Lowry, and Dodd in 2005, that um, wanted to give low socioeconomic status kids a little boost, uh, knowing that they often... Uh, were lagging behind their peers in reading development, so they gave them a syllable and rhyme set of, of lessons. They worked on helping the kids learn those concepts before they started. And uh, then they followed up two years later to see how this boost had worked out. Those kids were doing worse hmm. in reading development than the matched children who hadn't gotten that program. I would say in preschool, let's let's do um, alliteration. Let's focus on that on, on building awareness of a set of first sounds and gradually expand it and link them with some letters. So so children are starting to foster that um, alphabetic principle. Mm-hmm. That's that's how our writing system works. We have symbols that stand for the sounds. Uh, the individual speech sounds, whereas with rhyming and syllables, there's not a neat coordination with letter knowledge. And and what we're finding now are uh, very impressive meta-analyses coming out that are reviewing lots of studies that connecting with letters is, is key mm-hmm. and really boosts learning about phoneme awareness. So you need some phoneme awareness um, to get started, and then as you learn more letters, the, the, the two are reciprocally related and, and boost each other. What would you say to people who say um, they're just not developmentally ready for a skill like that, let's say in preschool or whatever? How do you answer? I hear a lot about developmentally ready. It's hard to know exactly what that means sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your What's your response to that? Oh, it brings back scary memories of my son starting first grade, and the teacher decided he wasn't developmentally ready to learn how to read because when she gave him the choice of building blocks or or working on reading, he chose to build blocks Um, because he was a perfectionist and didn't Mm -hmm. want to do it unless he could do it well. Oh, yes, I have some of um, those. (laughs) But I knew he he had great phoneme awareness and knew uh, almost all his letter-sound correspondences and... That was an erroneous statement. Um, remember what I said about it being easier to identify initial and final phonemes than to do rhymes. And for a variety of reasons, I, I don't think we have to worry about developmental readiness. Mm-hmm. Um, people have successfully taught three- and four-year-olds phoneme awareness. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think we need to get carried away with three- and four-year-olds but um, likewise, I think the assumption that we need to um, to do rhyme and syllables to help them get ready for literacy tasks is unfortunately based on, on a misunderstanding about that early work that showed that syllables were, that more kids were aware of syllables and, and not aware of phonemes. That wasn't an instructional activity. The kids who are good at the syllable tasks 
are probably going to be good at the subsequent tasks. Maybe they have better phonological memory. Maybe they have better speech perception. Uh, maybe they have larger vocabularies that have um, driven a more phoneme-level representation in the brain. And so you see that, yes, they did better on learning phonemes later on. But it was... If, if you took kids with those abilities and, and didn't give them the syllables, they also would do better at the mm-hmm. phoneme task. So there still are individual differences, but um, it doesn't mean we have to teach the larger units. So what would you say to, let's start with preschool teachers. You talked already about doing alliteration and they can yeah. work on those you know, beginning sound and then progress to final and middle. Anything else you'd say to preschool teachers? And then let's move into kindergarten. What, what, uh, what you'd okay. recommend for building phonemic awareness? Well, in language development in general. Um, so, so we want to build vocabularies in enjoyable ways. We, we want to read exciting stories and, and talk about characters and who's doing what. And how do you think this is going to work out? And just have fun. Uh, I I. I totally love all this stuff. Oh, you can also work on retelling. Mm-hmm. So what happened? You know? And uh, where was it? And who was involved? And um, what, what was there a challenge or a problem? And how did they overcome it? Mm-hmm. You know? So all of those things are going to be foundations for subsequent reading, writing, and comprehension tasks. Mm-hmm. What would you say, um, there's been a lot of discussion in the last year or so about advanced phonemic awareness, you know, where you move, uh, you have, there's a lot of oral exercises where kids say, like, say the word snap, you know, take out the n and put in an ol. Is there any value to that sort of thing, and why or why not? That approach, it's based on a misunderstanding. And so I believe where David Kilpatrick got this impression was from looking at studies that maybe in the 80s, we're asking the question, what phoneme awareness tasks differentiate good and poor readers? Will that tell us about what poor readers need to acquire in order to do better? And so in those studies, it was found that the better readers could do these manipulation sorts of tasks of... um, you know, what smile without this, um, and particularly if they involved consonant clusters, but poor readers couldn't. The unfortunate assumption was that that is the skill that enables good readers to be good readers. And that's backwards. It's being good readers that enables those kids to do those tasks so effortlessly. So we now know from brain research that if, you, if, if you're presented with a word that you as a skilled reader, your brain activates the spelling, the orthographic representation of that word as well. The logic was backwards. Also, the recommendation to continue phoneme awareness activities into the third and fourth grades, I think is... Um, an unfortunate use of time for most children. And again, in third and fourth grades, the children who can do those activities easily are the better readers 
And neuroscience research and cognitive research shows that when you do that kind of a task, you are tapping orthographic knowledge. So instead, I would say it's not that no older children need phoneme awareness instruction, but only those who are lagging in development, um, that sequence of initial, final, medial. Usually in the older readers, you're seeing they're pretty good at those levels, but have um, difficulties with the internal consonants in consonant blends or consonant clusters. And so uh, if a student, if there are any indications, and, and spelling is often the way you spot these problems initially, if, if internal consonants are being left out of the spelling, then you want to go directly to targeting those skills for those students with letters and integrating it. So I also note that if we go online to try to find information, there is such a, a mix of stuff out there, and a lot of it is based on the older, earlier uh, claims and beliefs that were so widespread. And I, I think it's unfortunate, and some of them come from uh, organizations that are trying to do the right thing and trying to uh, help teachers know what is important. But we need to have a culling of outdated information from those organizations and, and from individuals who, who are trying to improve things. Now, we pardon people for having a misunderstanding, but we really need to move on to what's important. So Anne Castles, who's an Australian researcher, tested adults and older school kids on tasks where they're phoneme awareness tasks, and you're just listening. And if I say, what's uh, bats without this? People are quick. Bat. So if we're measuring their reaction time, we can say, whoa, that was easy. And now if we give them a word that has the same number of phonemes, but it isn't orthographically as transparent, like box. Mm -hmm. So the X represents k, s. So now what's box without the s is Bach, the musician. She said, you know, these, this error pattern is revealing the reliance on the orthography and uh, the use of it to do those tasks. I wish we'd get rid of that use of the term advanced phoneme awareness because it, it's a falsehood. And it's time for us to stop telling teachers that this is what they should be doing, that this is the key. And instead to realize that it's those in, internal consonants that are the more advanced stage, the harder part of phoneme awareness. So we would want to work on phoneme isolation, blending, and segmenting. Yes. And then, but we could do the manipulating with letters, right, and spelling. It's so just like the oral drills. Of that. Yeah. Remember, I, I, well, and you already know, that linking with letters is incredibly valuable. And uh, doing manipulations when you have letters in front of you. And so now we want to we wanna change pan to plan, and we see, oh, okay, we're going to slide a letter down, or we're going to write a letter in between the P and the A, and now we're going to read it out, and, and now we can do substitution. And that is very useful. But that is 
again, integrating with the spelling pattern. What would you, we can, we can kind of finish this off by having you share why you feel it's so important that we get this right. Like what's the urgency in getting to phonemic awareness and uh, getting that mastered early on? It's the starting point to literacy. It's critical to literacy. If we can teach it quickly and successfully, and we're not wasting kids and teachers' time on other tasks that unfortunately aren't relevant, then I think we, we can have that result that I was mentioning in New Zealand that made me happy. Uh, uh, we have a lot of inner city kids and kids in disadvantaged areas whose reading scores are, are lagging. In Rhode Island, I, I learned recently, one city has 13% of its kids at grade level hmm. uh, in, in the mid-elementary grades. That's just tragic, absolutely tragic. There also is research pointing to how kids um, evaluate their own reading ability. And um, a person named Morgan did some research studying kids' self-assessment and found that within about six months of starting school, children have decided if they're going to be one of the good readers or, or not. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, then they'd rather kick the kid next to them when it's reading time or um, go do anything else. You know, it's just kind of painful and, and the attitudes are self-defeating. So if we foster success early on and give them a nice structured task, so they've learned some phonemes, they've discovered some phonemes, they've linked them with some letters, and now they're making some words with that, and now they're reading a little decodable um, that builds on those words, and they're pretty proud of themselves, and they don't care if this decodable is fine literature or not. Uh, they can go home and read it to mom and dad and the dog and their sister, and go, look, I'm reading. And doing that in kindergarten is much more efficient and effective than delaying and having a student in first or second grade who's at that reading level, but now a little embarrassed because this is baby stuff. I, I think we want instruction that is efficient and effective well, thank you so much for taking time to talk to me and share all of this. I know I'll be very busy trying to find all that research. I may send you an email asking for some of those because I'm going to link as much as I can in the show notes for everyone who's listening. Is there anything else that you would like me to link to or share related to your work? Uh, thanks for asking. The International Dyslexia Association at, uh, this last fall, maybe November-ish, released a fact sheet on phoneme awareness. And so note that choice of the word phoneme awareness rather than phonological. It provides a lot of discussion um, that might be helpful to people who are trying to sort this out and learn more about the terminology and, and what we know. Excellent. I will definitely link to that. Now, I, I note that there is some uh, criticism out there about the so-called science of reading, and um, it, it's claimed that it's only about phonics, and I want to just state that, that that's not true, that uh, the science of reading is a very broad field that investigates all components 
of reading development and reading expertise. The Reading League has produced a helpful downloadable ebook uh, that's called the Science of, or Science of Reading colon Defining Guide. And it goes through what are the real science requirements of the science of reading. So um, it's, it's not anecdotes, it's not casual, observational work. It has um, important science criteria for the methodologies that have to be used. So, um, and it's based on those kinds of studies that I'm making the statements I am about phoneme awareness. Well, thank you again. It was very nice to meet you. Very nice to meet you. Thank you for your good work. You can find the show notes for this episode at themeasuredmom.com forward slash episode 118. Talk to you next time. That's all for this episode of Triple R Teaching. For more educational resources, visit Anna at her home base, themeasuredmom.com, and join our teaching community. We look forward to helping you reflect, refine, and recharge on the next episode of Triple R Teaching.